Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Hi, my name is Emily Cabral. And my name is Jordan Grimes. And we are both seniors in college. And have been serving as interns at Blue Oaks over the past summer. I've been attending Blue Oaks since I was in sixth grade and have essentially been serving since I started attending. I began my service journey in the nursery, playing with the babies for about three years. Then throughout high school, I transitioned to serving wherever I was needed in kids ministry. Whether it was preschool, K-1, or fifth grade, I kind of did it all. But eventually it was time for a change. Jordan told me about the middle school group that she had been leading, and I decided to try that. At this point, I was a senior in high school, and I discovered how much I enjoyed middle schoolers. I led the eighth grade girls and was amazed with the intentional conversations I was able to have with my girls each week, guiding them through their unique trials and struggles. Even as my girls transitioned into high school, I continued to help lead them when I could. Eventually, I moved to college, but I've continued to serve throughout summers with middle school and high school ministries, doing announcements, research, curriculum, as well as interning this summer, helping with students' spiritual growth and development. Serving has allowed me to find my passion for helping others and the joy that I've discovered in having deep and intentional conversations with students. It took me a long time to find my spiritual gift, but now that I have, it has shaped who I am and what I will do with my career, and I could not be more grateful. Not to mention the fact that serving at Blue Oaks has brought me my best friend, who is still standing by my side 10 years later. (laughs) Um, I have also been attending Blue Oaks since I was in sixth grade. I started serving when I was a freshman in high school in the preschool classroom for about two years, and then became the student ministry high school intern. When I was a junior in high school, I started leading middle school group. Being a middle school leader was the highlight of my week every week as I continued to find it more and more meaningful as I guided the girls throughout their spiritual growth process. Not only did it allow them to grow, but it also allowed me to grow a stronger and deeper relationship with God than I had ever had before. I did this throughout my entire senior year until I left for college. Once I came back for the first summer after I started college, I became the family ministry college intern and I have been serving in this role for the past three years. Beginning to serve when I was in high school propelled me to where I am now, allowing me to find my passion for leading kids and my future profession as a teacher. Without service, I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't have been able to stay as connected to my faith and to Blue Oaks throughout college. Not to mention, there's nothing better than serving with your best friend. (laughs) I wanna start today by letting you in on a little secret. Blue Oaks is a place where no one is perfect. It's a little ironic, but when people are interviewing for a job in the Bay Area and they're asked, what's your biggest weakness? Uh, Very rarely do people actually respond with a weakness. Uh, Rarely does someone say, I'm incredibly lazy or I'm fundamentally dishonest when they're interviewing for a job. The number one fault people admit to in a job interview is I'm just a perfectionist. My standards are just too high. I just push myself to excel and contribute to humanity more than other people. I mean, that's my problem. Often people say it's a weakness, but they're secretly proud of their perfectionism. But the reality is perfectionism actually is a weakness and it's not pushing yourself to excel for a goal. Perfectionism is the desire to appear perfect. 
It's a hidden self that's often trapped in anxiety, trapped in uh, fear of failure, comparing myself to other people, uh, trying to hide my real weaknesses and trying to protect my image. I mean, that's really what perfectionism is about. To say I'm a perfectionist is to say I'm a fear-filled, self-absorbed, failure-avoiding, envious, insecure, pathological liar. I mean, that's what perfectionism is really about. Ironically, perfectionism actually inhibits or prevents growth. I mean, think if a child were a perfectionist. I mean, they would never walk because the only way you learn how to walk is to start by walking badly. They would never learn how to uh, talk or draw or ride a bike or play a sport or instrument. You have to begin by doing these kinds of things badly and by failing. And your heavenly father knows this. The same is true when learning to develop and use your spiritual gifts. When you start using your spiritual gift, you may do it badly. That's okay. You're not perfect. Uh, you have to start somewhere if you're going to learn to develop your gifts and use them to their fullest potential. You know, this is a place where no one is perfect. So if you're imperfect, you've found the right place. And just to honor that today, I'm going to teach an imperfect sermon. <laughs> As I go through these gifts today, I'd like to ask you to mark one or two of them that you can kind of start to practice so that you can discover if you in fact have that spiritual gift. You don't have to be perfect to start using your spiritual gift at Blue Oaks. You just have to be willing to start. All right, let's dig in. The first spiritual gift I want to look at today is hospitality. The ability to make others, especially strangers, feel warmly welcomed, accepted, and comfortable in the church. In our day, you might think this is someone whose house is always perfect. They're always serving gourmet meals. They always have freshly cut flowers out and their dog is perfectly trained. Actually, this is often the opposite. It's someone who puts making people feel at home above needing their home to look perfect. If you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you love radical inclusion. Uh, you love asking who feels left out and figuring out ways to uh, delight them or make them feel part of the group. You're energized by having people over. I mean, you look forward to that. Maybe you know about uh, the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible. They have Jesus and a bunch of people over and Martha is uh, in the, she's in the kitchen and she's busy and she's getting everything done. Uh, Martha probably had the spiritual gift of hospitality. In fact, that's the character in the Bible from whom Martha Stewart got her name. Okay, I just made that up. This is an imperfect sermon, so just bear with me. If you have the gift of hospitality, you love to open your home and you love to have people come in and take their shoes off and put their feet up and you love to provide them with food. You love to connect people together. You love to meet new people and have them feel welcome and create an atmosphere in which people can just relax. You're able to set people at ease in unfamiliar surroundings. I mean, you're friendly, you're inviting, you're gracious and caring. That's the spiritual gift of hospitality. When you're with someone with the gift of hospitality, it's a good reminder that God is the God of hospitality. 
I mean, he wants to pull us away from what keeps us busy and just let us rest. Maybe you have this gift. Maybe you're using it well. Uh, Maybe you're not, and you need to step up and use it to build this church. Now, let me just make a note here. Uh, It's easy to take spiritual gifts that have more upfront status and say they're more important. It's also very easy to get gifts like hospitality or maybe mercy and say, it would be nice if someone did that, but it's not really that important. Uh, Listen to me very carefully. Uh, This is God's honest truth about spiritual gifts. Every single spiritual gift is a reflection of who God is. So if you're comfortable telling God that hospitality or mercy isn't as important as other gifts, be my guest. Uh, I'm not comfortable doing that. Every single spiritual gift is a way in which you see a different aspect or or, uh, angle or facet of who God is. So not only when you use your spiritual gifts, do you experience God more, but when you use your spiritual gifts, we get to experience God in a new way, in a fresh way through your use of your spiritual gift. All right, the next gift I want to look at is encouragement. This is the ability to see the potential in those who are wavering in the faith and then provide the motivation, strength, comfort, or challenge needed to reach that potential. If this is you, you're constantly uh, painting a picture of God's goodness and direction. Uh, You hurt with people who hurt. Uh, You're positive, you're reassuring, and you like to motivate other people to grow when they're going through a difficult time. If you have this gift, God has given you the ability to encourage us. Um, And while I believe intercession provides the power to our gifts, I really believe it's the gift of encouragement that fuels each individual gift to keep going, to reach their fullest potential for Christ. Because every one of us, no matter what your gifts are, hits a period of discouragement. I mean, we get tired. We really wonder, because I'm in a period where I'm not seeing results, is this worth it? And you're the ones to write an email or text to put Uh, to pick up the phone and make a call, to meet someone for coffee, just to encourage them. You notice when we need that. A church that has people who are using their gifts of encouragement is a church that is very, very strong. And we need you to do that more and more. We need you to encourage us to be really honest with it. In the New Testament, there was a follower of Jesus named Joseph, and he had this gift so strongly that he was given a new name, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Uh, Encouragement just flowed out of him. When Saul, who became known as Paul, became part of the church, everyone else was terrified of him because he had been persecuting the church. But Barnabas said, you know what, Paul, you come be with me. I believe in you. I'll breathe life into you. Then there was another young man named John Mark who had some failures along the way and everyone else gave up on him. In fact, interestingly, uh, Paul who Barnabas believed in, gave up on John Mark. And Barnabas actually separated from Paul because he said, I want to encourage John Mark. It's very interesting. Uh, Barnabas did not write a single word in Scripture, but Paul and John Mark wrote about half of the New Testament books. I mean, we we might not have those books if it were not for Barnabas. I mean, he didn't get credit for writing them, but they may not be there if it wasn't for his gift of encouragement. 
If you have the gift of encouragement, it just flows out of you naturally. You can tell because right now you're wanting to say out loud, you know, keep going, Matt. You can make this sermon great. All right, the next spiritual gift is knowledge. The ability to discover, collect, analyze, and organize information that will build up a group of people or the entire church. If you have this gift, you're always asking questions, at least in your mind, if not out loud. Why? Like, how do, how do you know? Like, I want to know more about this. And you love to dig deeper. You love to do research. You, you enjoy having your references and your uh, commentaries all around you. You love having all kinds of passages of the Bible in different translations, either all over your screen or spread out all around you. And you need quiet time so that you can dig deep. If this is you, like the Apostle Paul, I mean, you just love to learn. Uh, maybe you've wondered if you might like to take a, a class in Greek so you can find out more about the meaning of Scripture. I mean, you think and you analyze and you ponder. Uh, you have an incredible capacity to retain things. And you're constantly bringing truth to bear in a situation. You will have an unusual insight or an understanding that will serve your team or your small group or serve the people uh, whom you work with. You point us to God's truth all the time. You're an incredible gift to the body of Christ because you have knowledge that the rest of us need to help us learn and to grow spiritually. Now, a word of caution, and that is you need to know when to turn off the faucet. Uh, you may be in a group setting and you have all this stuff built up. You've learned so much and you're waiting to share it. And they, they maybe wanted a sip from a cup and you kind of turned on the fire hydrant. So you may need to hold back in order to have the greatest impact with your gift. All right, the next spiritual gift is faith. The ability to trust God for what cannot be seen and then act on God's promise regardless of what the circumstance indicates. If you have this gift, you have a capacity to continue to trust God when ordinary people would just quit. When God gives you an idea or a dream about a future ministry, I mean, it's like you can already see it. When obstacles come, instead of defeating you like they would ordinary people, I mean, they actually energize you. If you have the gift of faith, when you see a mountain, you tell it to move in Jesus' name and you really do expect it to move. The average person says, you know, I have to see it to believe it. But the person with the gift of faith says, if I believe it, I know I'm going to see it. That's the gift of faith. Now, we're all called to have faith, but... Maybe you have a special gift for it. You feel it right now. Because the Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted you, you're the kind of person who is able to act on God's promises with confidence and an unwavering belief that God will do what he said he will do. I mean, for you, it's as simple as this is what God said, and so this is what God will do. You might know the story of the three young men in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, where they said to the king, our God is able to deliver us even if we're in there. Like our faith is with him no matter what. You'll ask God for what you need and then you just simply relax and you just trust that God's going to make it happen. 
Maybe you have the gift of faith. And we need you to be developing. Don't neglect it. All right, we'll look at the next spiritual gift in just a moment. You hear us say often that we desire to lead everyone into Christ-centered living. It's our mission, honestly, our passion. Christ-centered living is a spiritual journey where you're leaning into all that God has for your life. And part of that journey is to serve according to your giftedness. We believe your greatest effectiveness and satisfaction are found when you're serving in the sweet spot of your spiritual gift. Now, that might intersect with your everyday vocation and interests, or it may be something totally different. Maybe you're new to faith in Jesus and are discovering your spiritual gift for the first time in this series. Know this, the key is to just get started using that gift. Take the first step. As Matt said, you don't have to be perfect to start using your gift. You just have to be willing to start. Take a look at the spiritual gifts list we've provided and, and mark one or two of them you think God may have gifted you with. Then take a step and start to practice that gift and discover if in fact you have it. It will be a life-changing experience. We'd love to come alongside you as you discover your gift and, and help you find where your gift can best be used, wherever you may be watching from. A simple next step you can take is to go to blueoakschurch.org and click latest news, then scroll down to serve, or simply text serve to 925-275-5520 and follow the link you'll receive. All right, let's finish our look at the list of gifts. All right, the next spiritual gift I wanna look at is teaching. This is the ability to explain the truths of scripture clearly so that those listening both understand and learn with the intent that they grow toward Christ-centered living. Uh, people who have this gift love God's word. You deeply believe the scripture has the power to change lives and you often find yourself thinking, how would I teach this message? Like how could I tell other people about this in a way that God might use it to change their lives? If you have the gift of teaching, you may be sitting there thinking, you know, Matt's doing an okay job of teaching this, but I would probably communicate things a little differently. When you're listening to teaching or uh, going through life experiences or uh, reading things, I mean, you're always thinking like, how would I communicate this? Like what spiritual truth can I draw out of this that would be of benefit to the people around me? You know, what example or illustration would I use to make the situation or this teaching or this uh, learning clearer? How can this best be taught in a way that would help people grow? In the book of Acts, there's a wife and husband team, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and apparently they both had this gift. And they explain the way of God in a way that changes the lives of other people. If you have this gift, you're probably uh, the one that has people express to you, you know, I've never thought about it that way. Or what you just said, I mean, that really changed my life. All right, the next spiritual gift is giving. This is the, the ability to creatively, cheerfully, and generously contribute material resources and or money beyond the tithe so that the church may grow and be strengthened. Now, all followers of Jesus are called to give. We're all called to be generous. We're all called to tithe. People with the spiritual gift of giving, they find that they do generosity recreationally. I mean, they find themselves dreaming up more ways to be able to give. Uh, 
If this is you, the Holy Spirit has given you a special ability to take what money and resources you have and turn them around and contribute them joyfully back to the work of God. If this is you, I mean, you don't ask questions like the rest of us, you know, how much money can I spend on this? You ask, what's the least amount of money I need to get by on, pay my bills and make sure that I don't go bankrupt myself? And then you ask, how can I free up more and more of my money in order to turn it around and give it away? You know, I've known some people who have a lot of wealth and they actually practice what's sometimes called reverse tithing. They keep 10% of what comes to them and they give 90% away. You know, sometimes people think, well, only people who have this spiritual gift are like uh, given a lot of wealth. And, and that's not true. Many people, maybe you, have an, or, an ordinary income, but you have an extraordinary gift of giving. In the Bible, it would be the widow who gave her last coins to God. I mean, Jesus says that she gave more than everyone. It's maybe the little boy who gave his whole lunch of a couple of fish and five loaves over to Jesus, and Jesus used it to do amazing things. If you've ever been the recipient of a gift by someone with the gift of giving, you know, I mean, they have as much fun giving the gift as you have being overwhelmed by getting it. Now, like all the other gifts, this gift reminds us what a giving God we serve. I mean, when we see someone with the gift of giving, part of our response is to step back for a moment and say, wow, God, I mean, that's an example of what a giving God you are. As this person uses their gift in my life, I'm not only expressing gratitude to them for the gift, but I'm reminded that this gift comes from you and it's a reflection of who you are. All right, the next spiritual gift is wisdom. The ability to understand God's perspective on problems or life situations and share those insights in a simple, understandable way. If you have this gift, people tend to come to you with their problems and ask you for help and direction in key moments of their lives, and you're able to give it. Often it seems really simple to you, and you don't understand why other people are amazed by this. Most of the rest of us make stupid decisions on a regular basis. Uh, people with the spiritual gift of wisdom uh, have a God-given ability to help people around them make better decisions. And that's often how you know you have this gift. I mean, if you think you might have this spiritual gift of wisdom, but people around you say you don't have it, you don't have it. Wisdom is similar to the gift of knowledge, except you love to apply truth effectively in a specific situation. You love bringing God's truth to a specific life situation or conflict or confusion. Solomon in the Bible was famous for asking, God, would you give me the gift of wisdom so that I can reign with it? I believe this is one of our executive pastor, Joe Hartley's gifts. Uh, I've sat in situations and watched him listen to people's life situations and then speak brilliant words of wisdom back to them. And I can describe this only as a gift from God. <laughs> uh, some of you have the gift of wisdom and our church needs you to use it. All right, the last spiritual gift we'll look at is serving. This is the ability to identify unmet needs and marshal people and resources to make sure those needs get met. Of course, we're all called to serve. 
I mean, it's what makes the church great. It's why God thought up this brilliant idea of arranging the church around spiritual gifts. But people with the spiritual gift of serving have a special ability to identify what the unmet needs are. You know, where is the church lacking? Where is there a hole? And you like to figure out how to marshal people and resources to get involved in a task or to get involved in a situation and then ask, how can we make sure that these needs get met? In the book of Acts, there was a woman like this with this gift of serving. Her name was Dorcas. Uh, I really, it's a, it's a beautiful character sketch of this woman. It's, the writer of scripture says, she was always doing good and helping the poor. I mean, what a great line to have on your tombstone when you die. Always doing good and helping the poor. That seems rather entry level and not really flashy living in the part of the world that we do in our day. But it's a very interesting story. Peter arrived in her town for a preaching engagement. And just before he got there, this woman, Dorcas, grew sick and died. And the people wept for her. I mean, widows who lived there showed Peter the robes and other clothes Dorcas had used her sewing ability to make for them so that they could be clothed. Peter was so moved by this and by their grief that he prayed and Dorcas was raised from the dead. Now, Peter had gifts too. I mean, leading, preaching, and resurrecting. And so you would maybe think, surely Peter's gifts were way more important than Dorcas's little gift of uh, serving. But when Peter died, no one raised Peter from the dead. In other words, apparently the church decided that they could get along without Peter better than they could get along without Dorcas and her gift of serving. And I, I just believe God loves this gift. And maybe you have it. You know, Peter wrote these great words from 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. All right, I want to end with a couple questions. How do I know for sure what my spiritual gift is? Uh, And I would say the best way is to get involved in actual serving. It's good to listen to a message like this, but the best method is trial and error. I mean, if you start serving somewhere and your gift mix is not a good match, you'll fail and that's okay. Someone might tell you, you know, you're not really good at this. I mean, if you have a prophetic gift and you go work in the nursery, babies don't really receive prophetic challenges really well. Uh, You'll fail with them and you can move on to something else. I mean, that's great. Another question, what if I didn't get the gift that I want to get? This is interesting. Gift envy is a big problem in the the church at Corinth. Gift envy is part of why Paul wrote that God has distributed the gifts of the Spirit to each one just as he, God, determined. Now the question is, which, which gift would you rather have? The gift that you want for you or the gift that God wants for you? Well, the correct answer would be the gift that God wants for me because God made me. You know, learning to embrace and be grateful for and exercise the gift that God has given me and then to let go of my ego-driven need for a gift that I didn't receive is actually a major part of the spiritual growth process. Another question, isn't this serving thing optional? Uh, There's a wonderful quote that I was given as a gift this week from uh, Lois Labar, 
who was a professor at Wheaton College for about 30 years. This is what she said. Every believer has been given a gift of the Holy Spirit for the building of the body of Christ. Our talent or ability is God's gift to us. The skillful use of that ability is our gift to him. And I love this next sentence. We'll never know the thrill of fulfilling the purpose for which we were born until we have developed our gift. We will never know the fullness of life until we are in the center of God's will, making our unique contributions to the church of the living God. I hope your heart aches when you hear words like, never know the fullness of life. I mean, if you're not experiencing that, I hope you're thinking, I want in on that. And one of the ways you get in on that is you find out what your spiritual gift is and use it. Starting today, I want to encourage you to say to God, all right, God, I'm going to offer myself to you and ask if you would help me over time, because this is a process, to find out what my spiritual gift is and to use it. God will not say no to that prayer. As you say that to God, you'll find that he is generous and he'll lead you to find out what that giftedness is and find out the right place to use it. All right, I want to read, read one statement from Paul as we close. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with, and we might think he would say, so it is with the church. But he doesn't. He says, so it is with Christ. In other words, somehow the church, you and me, we are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. In other words, the church is not a human organization. It's not been given a human mission. It is God's idea. It is God's project. It is God's presence. And it matters that a church operates according to spiritual gifts that it be shepherded by people with the spiritual gift of shepherding and led by people with the gift of leadership and encouraged by people with the gift of encouragement and organized by people with the gift of administration and so on is the greatest plan for any human community that has ever existed. And I want to say a word to you if you serve. If you lead a small group or shepherd a little group or uh, care for a group of children or love on students or help lead worship or welcome new guests in a hundred different ways, you are the church and you are love in human form. And I'm so grateful for you. I know there are a thousand reasons not to do this where we live. I mean, you'll hear you're too busy. You have bills. You have a job. You have pressure. You might find yourself wondering, am I crazy to do this on top of everything else? I just want to say to you, you're not crazy. When you serve the body of Christ, you are a part of a movement across time and space on every continent and every culture for the last 2,000 years. Not a moment of time, not an act of service will be lost. You will be used by God. You will delight the heart of God. You will be swept up in the power and the work of Jesus. You will make a difference in time that will last through eternity. You are a part of how God uh, advances his kingdom. You're not crazy. You are a part of the body of Christ. And I'm so grateful. All right, let me pray for you. And then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I'm so grateful for this uh, structure that you've given us as a church. To, to function within. And I pray that those who are listening will 
identify their spiritual gift and that they will develop it and that they will use it to advance your purposes and your cause in this community through Blue Oaks. And I pray that we would, we would see our, uh, our church expand and your mission accomplished as more people step up and serve in the body where they're designed to serve uh, because the body will be functioning right. And so I just pray that you would guide us through this, that you would uh, inspire us, encourage us, uh, develop us, and lead us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.